Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. All right, guys, checking back in from the, the pre-recorded segments here. We are on Tuesday talking about, um, you know, the, the, the off-season's outcomes, what the season looked like. Did the decisions work out? Did they not work out? This is what we're trying to do. This is the OBR film breakdown, I should remind you. I don't know why I didn't start the episode with the, the typical introduction, but uh, I hope your, your Thursday's going well and... Um, you know, this podcast finds you in a good spot. I think we've got a fun episode here for you. I'm going to be joined by Stephen Thomas in just a second, where we're going to go through and look at all of the Browns offseason acquisitions and assign a, you can't argue, it, it, it's the, the perfect grade. You can't even question the decision on these grades. They're so <laughs> finite, studied, uh, data checked. You can't even argue with us. It's going to be perfect. Stephen Thomas, what's up, man? Well, I... I feel a little insulted that you have to, you feel like you have to explain that. I would think that just saying, hi, I have Stephen Thomas on here with me would imply that everything we're about to say is absolutely perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm a little hurt that, that you felt you had to qualify that, to be honest. Well, you know, you, you better safe than sorry in some of these aspects. Yeah, you know, I just wanted people. I just want people to know how much homework we did on this. Like, it's important for you guys to understand that we spent hours going over, comparing notes, and coming up with the perfect, uh, the perfect number, the perfect uh, number that translates into a grade. And that's you know, like I said, you can't argue it. So we're going to go through these guys and assign whether it uh, went really well, went really poorly. And uh, yeah, let's start with the top, which is which is John Johnson. I'll let you lead off with your grade on that offseason acquisition. We're focusing on more of the mainstream ones, but there really weren't. We're not doing draft. <clears throat> I'll do draft another day. But there really weren't a ton of, you know, there a lot of these are defense. So we'll, we'll try to hit some of the minor ones, too. But most of these are bigger moves. So we're kind of grading where they spent their money. John, they spent a good amount of money on. I have to look back at it uh, for his his total numbers. It's the biggest move. One of the, the moves I was most excited about. The Browns making um, and free agency in a long time, Steve. Uh, you know, Odell was a, a trade, so this one's a little bit, a little bit different. But lo- it looks like John, I forget the total number. Thirty-three, three years, thirty-three point seven five is what uh, is what he signed for. What, what? It's early. It's one year. But how do you grade it so far? Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go, I'm gonna lead off with my grade, which is a B. Um, and that's be- mostly because of the improvement over the last uh, portion of the season. Um, and I think it's fair to note that those numbers that you gave, the contract numbers, are actually quite a bit lower than a lot of people were projecting. They got uh, – they really uh, – because of the drop in the COVID cap, uh, Andrew Berry did his homework and took advantage of some market inefficiencies at some critical spots that they needed. And it is also important to note that it was not just us at the OBR or just Cleveland Browns fans that were, you know, hailing this move as, as a great move, one of the best moves in free agency. It was everyone nationwide. It's not like we talked ourselves into this and this guy is actually some schlub that they overpaid or something like that. It's just he did not come in and perform the way he did last year. I don't think anybody uh, would argue that. Now, part of that was because the defense as a whole had so many new pieces 
And then you throw on, you know, the injuries and the COVID missed games and all that kind of stuff. They shuffled the lineup so many times. I mean, you and I said a million times back in August, pay more attention to what this defense looks like in December than what it looks like in September. It's going to take time. And that proved out to be the case. And he, along with, you know, other members uh, of the defense uh, looked much, much different in the second half uh, of the season than they did in the first half. So, um, I think he'll have a bounce back year next year. I think we're going to see the John Johnson next year that we saw in L.A. Uh, he's more comfortable now. Uh, Grant Delpit is taking more responsibility, which takes a lot off of his shoulders, and he can play the game where and how he knows best how to do it. Um, so, I, you know, I see people out there saying, oh, it was a bust. They wasted money. No, it's not that. But it also didn't turn out this year to be the home run that we all expected it to be on paper when they signed him back in March. So I'm going to go with a B. Uh, it went well. And I think next year uh, will be the tail. Uh, if he, if he returns to form, then we'll go ahead and bump it up to an A. But uh, if he doesn't, we'll adjust as we go along. Yeah. These are kind of tough to do after one year for multi-year guys. We're going to touch on Conklin and, and Hooper as well, but John's early, you, you you nailed it, kind of a microcosm of the defense. He started out slow, came on late, was uh, noting that he had about 500 snaps in the box in his last year in L.A., only 100 years. Completely different position for him. Um, not not so much a different position or role than what he's done in L.A. Like his second year, he did more free safety stuff than, than, uh, than the box stuff, but it's been a while since he's done that. He's a little older, a little more beat down at this point. I just think it was an adjustment for him. I expect him to be better sure. next year. And I also think the Browns will get with him on how they make him better. What can we do to make you better? Where do you feel more comfortable? And I expect that that number in the box snaps might creep into the two fifties. If they acquire some certain pieces that can, that can help with, uh, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. balancing out some of those things. So I think a good B B minus, uh, could, could definitely shoot up if he has a great year, it could be a deal that we look pretty uh, negatively on though if he has a bad year next year in terms of the whole thing and how it impacted the defense because they need him to be a guy you know they really need him to be that guy in the back half for them to to take the defense to another level let's keep in the secondary let's go Troy Hill so Troy missed a large portion of the year was really dealing with those concussions and I think he was on the COVID list uh, as well Troy signed um, you know I'm searching Troy Hill signs with Browns and it's giving me Troy Hill date of birth zodiac sign uh, he's a Virgo, so I, I, you know, I don't know if that matters, Steve, but uh, that's what <clears> Google's <throat> providing me. It changes quite like a bit. It's I a four-year, twenty-four million. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think the uh, zodiac sign is is a heavy, have much heavier part of PFF grading system than they let the general public know. But I, I don't want to give away trade yeah. secrets. Yeah, it it's was, like a, uh, it was four, scale, it was four right? years, but he was one of those. Uh, I, I at least two of them, if not three of them, were voidable, right? I think they can get out of it this year, yeah, relatively unscathed. If I don't have it in front of me, but I think at least two of those were voided years. So really, it was a kind of a one year with a team option kind of thing, and then they, for cap purposes, they threw those voidable years on uh, as teams are learning to do. So, yeah, but go ahead. No, I, you're answering exactly what I was talking about. The the dead cabman savings on a on a pre June one cut, they can get out of it, but I think they're going to keep him for another year because mm-hmm. if they pre June one cut him, it's like a five and some change dead cap hit. Where the following year, if it's like a post June one, they can get out of it cheaper uh, because of those void years. Uh, I again, we are not salary as much as we're experts on a lot of phases of life. 
Steve and I, we're not uh, NFL contract gurus, but there is a way to get out of that contract uh, with with some void years there that 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 all ultimately could could help him out. So the next year, he, his cap number will be three uh, three point three. So again, stomachable. I thought he was fine. I thought Troy was really good in run support. Expected him to be a little better in pass coverage. He didn't quite pan out. Uh, that he was uh, among the top of the metrics that Pro Football Focus has, as far as you know, and some of these things are hard to pin down. I, again, but I thought he was, I thought he was a vast improvement over what they've had in the slot recent mm-hmm. years. Like Robert, who do they have in the Tevier Thomas last year and Kevin Johnson? He brought some stability to that position. I thought, again, wasn't as metrically graded highly as I think some people were expecting after how well he did that year transitioning in LA again, reminder, he just switched to full-time nickel in 2020 before he came over here in 2021. So he's still, although he's older, I think he's 30. He's still kind of getting a ton of reps at that position. I would give it a solid BB plus like, like in like an 86 mark. Like I think he, he raised the basement of that position. Good run support, pretty solid coverage. And I think if he gets another year, I think, I think he's going to, he's going to be pretty good in that role. Yeah, I would agree with that. And another thing to, to keep in mind when you're looking at guys like Troy Hill, uh, Anthony Walker, Malik Jackson, you got to think about why they were brought in. Obviously, you, you, you know, you want them to contribute on the field, but an older player like this, look at the rest of the position room that he's in. Super young, like really, really young. They're counting on a lot of young guys there. So he, Malik, these guys were brought in as veteran stability presence to teach these young guys things, help them not get fooled and baited like young guys do, tell them how to prepare from, from Tuesday through Saturday, how to be an NFL veteran football player, and they have all done that, I think, in spades. You could see the growth from the younger players in all of the, those position groups as the season went along. Um, and so that's something you have to factor in. It's kind of an intangible. It's one of those things that you can't really, you know, it, it's it's hard to nail down, pin down in any kind of quantifiable fashion. But you hear these guys talk, uh, and Anthony Walker is among them. I know we're going to get them. You hear these guys talk about, oh, you know, their former team say, oh, we're going to miss his leadership. The guy taught me everything. If I had a question, he was always there to answer my question. And Troy Hill was among those guys. And yeah, you have to imagine that as well as Greg Newsom played for a rookie, he was probably in Troy Hill's ear a ton, just asking him, you know, and, and Troy Hill probably, you know, Rook, leave me alone. All right. You know, and then, and then would, you know, answer his question yeah. and quit joking and that kind of stuff. So, but I agree with everything you said, uh, much better than in the past. Can they get better? Sure. Um, but uh, is that a place that they're going to spend a ton of money on this season? I would tend to think not. Um, and they're still going to be rolling out a lot of uh, young guys in that cornerback room next year. Uh, so having his presence around for one more year uh, could be invaluable. Yeah, I'd say I'd say a solid B, something like that. You could you could argue an incomplete uh, just because of the number of you know time that he missed. But when he was out there, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The the, the play in the slot was so much better, and it was noticeable. Let's move to defensive line. Um... Jadevian Clowney, I don't think he can get an, a better. I mean, I think it's as far as the player. I know he missed a few games, but you know, I did a podcast just just earlier, recorded one with Jordan Zerm, where it's like I think he was the most un, unexpected 
performer of the year. I think we all had lowered our expectations for what Clowney is. And I think he exceeded them for me, at least significantly uh, to the point that I thought he was, like I said, the most unexpected performer turning things into a good season. He ended up with 11 sacks, according to pro football focuses metrics uh, where they don't split sacks. They give it to the person they think is most deserving. And uh, you know, he was really good in run defense and he played a ton of snaps and he brought out the best in miles and I, I just couldn't give it a better grade. I mean, I, I think for a one-year deal, which is a lot of these things we're talking about moving <laughs> forward here, one-year deals, he was really, really good to the point that I do hope they find some way to give him a year or two again. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how you don't give him an A at this point. Back when you know we signed him, you know, a large part of the questioning and arguing and debate on him, and justifiably so, I must say, was... He misses a ton of games. He doesn't produce sacks. He does, you know, I mean, you couldn't argue with that. So, you know, if you recall, if everybody will recall back in the summer, it was, you know, what do you expect from the defensive line? Well, it depends. Are we going to get a healthy Jadevian Clowney for at least, you know, 13, 14, 15 games? Well, then it could be a a, a huge addition because now they can't just slide all the protection over to Miles. They got to pay him some mind. But if he misses nine games and, you know, as half speed the rest of the games, then, you know, we well, we got the best, I think, that you can possibly get from a guy like Jadevian Clowney. He's going to miss games every year. That's just the way he is. He gets dinged up, you know. Um, and, but I, I don't know, like you said, I don't know how anybody could say, I don't want him back. Um, now, will they be able to work it out? That remains to be seen. Um, but I think the blueprint for it uh, at the position, they could, if – Someone offers him edge one type money. Uh, and I don't know that anybody's going to do that. He's almost 30. Uh, but if someone offers him a giant bag and he goes elsewhere, which he's more within his more than uh, well within his rights to do, uh, there are other veteran edge rushers that you can bring in on similar short-term type contracts. Um, uh, uh, Calais Campbell, Von Miller, um, Chandler Jones out in Arizona was making noise about wanting to be traded before this year. All those kind of guys are scheduled anyway to uh, be available this coming off season. So if they can't work it out with Jadavian Clowney, I would expect them to try to go that same route. So they don't go into the draft with a big glaring need at edge. Cause that's how you reach for picks. Yeah. But as far as Jadavian Clowney, his grade this year, I'd, I really don't understand how anyone could give him anything, but a solid a, uh, especially at the price point that they got him in. It was a, it was a complete and total home run. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed. 
it was a great, great signing. It worked out for everybody. The cash payout ended up being eight million. The twenty-one salary cap charge is three point eight. They voided years for him, so they'll they'll have a little bit. I think they have a three point six number as a cap number for next year because they voided to keep his number down this year. Um, so we'll see. I would love for them to figure out a way to keep that thing running for a while. But I was happy he hit his incentives at the end of the year, too, with those mm-hmm. two sacks because, you know, good things, good players. You like that stuff. Malik Jackson started out well, um, didn't didn't really end very well. He graded pretty poorly by the end of the year. I think based on hopes and what he turned into, felt to me, Steve, like a disappointment, probably a D, D plus. Uh, just never quite materialized for him this year. I, I would be a little more sunny uh, uh, than you, which seems to be our, you know, our, our standard operating procedure, uh, simply because of two things. One, uh, and, I, and I don't disagree with you, he definitely tailed off at the end of the year, but he was dinged up. He was battling things. Uh, and that's, you know, he was asked to do a lot. He was asked to play a lot of snaps in there because of the youth and the rest of that interior defensive line room. Um, and so, you know, he again, he was brought in for a mentoring and stabilizing purpose because they had so many young unknowns in that room. And you could see his influence on the other guys and their, their work ethic and the way they did things. Maybe not the results themselves because the interior defensive line was definitely a question mark at this point. Uh, but you could see the way that these guys looked up to him and asked him some questions and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I, would, I would go as, as high as like a C. Uh, he, was, he was fine. You know, he did not, he wasn't the Malik, you know, Jackson of, of a few years ago, obviously it wasn't what we had all hoped that we would get. Um, but I think he did his job. I think he did it well. And there is a world because I've been looking, I haven't dug completely deep yet, but I've been looking around at the free agent interior defensive line group. Um, people scheduled to hit free agency. It's not, there's some names, but it's not particularly deep. So if they swing and miss on a couple of these other guys, it may end up being that the best route for them is to get him back on another one-year deal, kind of like they did with Malcolm Smith in the linebacker room for this year. Um, and I don't yeah. want people to overreact to that if that's the way that it ends up being. I can't imagine that would be their plan A, but Malik Jackson on a one-year deal, is it? it's hard to argue with it as a plan B. You know, I mean, you know, it's not like he's awful or anything. So... Yeah, it was average. It was fine. Third on the team. I mean, yeah, it, he was fine. You know, he yeah. was fine, especially early in the year when when the Maliks were doing a lot of damage on that interior of the offensive line. He was a big part of that. So, uh, if he can get healthy and come back next year on a on a on a you know decent deal, if he wants to, um, they may end up bringing him back because they they definitely still need a veteran presence in that room with all those youngsters in there. Let's do Malik McDowell, another guy whose story's pretty similar. He he tailed off toward the end of the year as well, but he started out really well, and he did end up having a nice pass rush uh, metric for the year where he was a 67-1. He ended up getting 24 pressures, three sacks, 17 hurries. Both of those guys were okay uh, as far as getting after the quarter. It was the run game that they struggled. But you can have defensive tackles who struggle in the run game, and if you have linebacker play that's solid, it can it can be okay, right? You can make up for it that that, that mm-hmm. uh, some of those things where, where defensive – tackles get graded poorly but maybe they're doing their job you know anchoring a gap or whatever uh, sure. i don't think either of those guys writing or writing home on 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 the prowess they have in the run game but for mcdowell with all the things that happened leading up to this point in his career to get a chance to 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 play every 
single game on the schedule, not including COVID situations. He played 15 games. Like, I don't think it could have gone much better for him in his first year. Again, not not a great grade. He had a 47 grade. A lot of it was tackling for both of those guys. 27 tackling grade for mm-hmm. McDowell and a 28 tackling grade for Jackson where they, you know, they, they had eight missed tackles from Malik McDowell. So you're in the spot. You just got to finish the tackle. That would help him. But I don't think it could. I would give him a B plus. I, I don't think he was, you know, he wasn't much better than Malik Jackson, but the expectations were different, right? Like, this guy's getting his life back together. Can he can he even make the roster? Oh, he made the roster. Can he be a difference maker? Well, there's some games where he's doing some difference maker things. And I think that for a guy who's, you know, his life could have gone off the rails, man. And it did for a while to get it back together, complete a full NFL season and be respectable, you know, is something. So I would give it a pretty good grade uh, and, and, and hope that it uh, works out down the line. Yeah, and I think that's a, that last thing you said is a key part of it. Um, it, it. I would say, yeah, a high C or a low B, somewhere in there. But with an eye to the future, it could easily shoot up because for all the reasons that you uh, just enumerated and we all discussed at nauseum back over the summer, he was such a wild card. I mean, I remember being on, you know, being on the Twitch show saying, you know, you could tell me he's going to be the best defensive lineman on the team or you could tell me they're going to cut him before week one and anything is possible because – Four years off, we had no clue what to expect from this guy. And the fact that he even, like you said, made some splash plays uh, just to do that, uh, you know, is is pretty impressive. And so you had to imagine, and we said this back in the preseason, he's probably going to tail off. He hasn't played an NFL game in four years. Uh, he, ba- he, uh, he barely practiced, if I recall, and, and didn't play, uh, played like, what, one or two of the preseason games or something, he was going to hit the proverbial yeah. rookie wall. He was going to run out of gas. There was just, there was no way around it after this much time off. So the tailspin, I don't want to say that that's the wrong word. The tailing off that he did the second half of the season was pretty much expected. You know, I, I it, that's just the way it was going to go. And I, I, unless he's superhuman, there was no way around it. So I, I think like we said uh, earlier, um, next year will really tell the tale. Uh, on Malik McDowell, but I think for what we wanted to see from him, which was promise this year, um, I think they got that and a little bit more, albeit with inconsistencies built in. Yep, that's a great way to put it. You know, they got the promise they're hoping for. Maybe something more materializes, but they did get at the minimum pretty average defensive tackle play, which is the best they could have hoped for given some of the options, right. uh, the younger options that just clearly aren't quite ready yet. Uh, one more along the defensive line, Tack McKinley, which ended so, so unfortunately, but was uh, really a pretty great deal. Tack had 25 total pressures and only, you know, compare it to Clowney at 422 pass rush snaps, Miles Garrett at 543. So Tack comes in and only gets 214, but generates three sacks, 25 pressure, 17 hurries. Like, pretty good man they signed him to a deal that's cash payout was 4.25 uh they did give him a, a second year no just a one-year deal no voidable years or anything like that so the what they see is what they get with in terms of numbers um but yeah i think it sucks that it ended that way for tack but i mean as far as what you're you're you got to talk about expectations just because you grade someone signing higher than somebody else, Steve, it's not because I think tack's a better player than someone else, Sure, but I think tack was signed to be a third rotational rusher that had actual juice 
could get after. He played hard every snap. I'm, I'm devastated that he tore his Achilles because he was on track to get somebody to pay him. Mm-hmm. I really think it's a strong A. You could not have done much better as far as bringing in a third rusher off the edge that could be an actual legitimate threat and did well when he was on the field this year. He played 11 games and he had a 70 uh sorry a, a 60.7 pass rush grade and i just don't he's not a he's not a refined pass rusher but he's all effort all motor all the time and i just really enjoyed watching him play i can't disagree with a single word you said i thought it was a terrific signing because you didn't sign him this is what like like in the draft when we talk about value uh, you like a guy better if he slips to the third round than you would in the second round. And people get confused and they argue, and well, who cares? Just pick a good player. No, there's a point to it. If you had signed Tack, if they didn't have Miles and didn't have Clowney, and you signed Tack McKinley to be your number one edge rusher, and he put up the numbers that he that you just rattled off, you would think it would be disappointing. They didn't sign him to do that. They signed him to be their third pass rusher. Your job is to come in and terrorize opposing backfields for a limited number of snaps with your hair on fire. And he did that probably as well as he could possibly do it. Uh, you know, I, and I'm with you. I was crushed watching him be carted off the field. Now, from a very, very selfish Browns-oriented perspective, because of the, it happened so late in the season, they may have an advantage to get him back next year on another cheap, one-year deal late in the proceedings, uh, depending on how he progresses, of course, with his rehab, because they know him. He knows us. He knows the building. He knows the system. So if he has an eye, if he's going to be healthy, you know, if the prognosis is he's going to be himself, it's just going to take a little time. And he and his agent have an eye on 2023, 2024 cashing in, Cleveland may end up being the best spot for him to come back in because of all the familiarity and the fact that nobody's going to be bringing him in with those round one expectations that he had in Atlanta, which he never should have been drafted there. Uh, But um, so, yeah, I I would say, again, you have to, uh, you have to look at why someone was brought in the role they were brought into play and how did they do in that role? And I think you would be hard pressed to find anybody other than Tack and Jadevian Clowney who played better in their role as a free agent signing than those two guys did this year. Well said. Uh, so many things I hope work out for Tack, and every uh, Achilles repair is different. Some guys we've seen. What, what's his name out there in L.A.? Uh, the the running back who's is it Cam Akers or oh, yeah. it was not Cam Akers? I can't remember who it was. Yeah, Cam Akers. maybe it was Cam Akers. Just come back already from a preseason Achilles tear. So who knows? I mean, these things vary, and maybe he's got a chance to play next year. I know Olivier Vernon didn't, but Olivier was an older player, more miles mm-hmm. on the on the system and all that stuff. So we'll see. I would love to see tack back. Um, Two more. I want to hit on uh, before we do the offensive uh, second year guys, Uh, Anthony Walker and MJ Stewart. I I think Walker, he was a nice security piece. Another guy I'd give like a C plus B minus to. I thought he had a nice year, good leadership um, from everything you gather guys learning from him. Uh, You know, the limitations that, that meant uh, they let him go and, in Indianapolis were pretty evident. You know, he, he allowed 33 of 40 targets to be caught, but he he's just a fine Mike Backer who's a nice player. He's an he's a he's a nice player. I I don't mean this to be uh, 
you know, offensive, Steve, but he's just a league average player. You need league average players. And he gives you a bonus by everything you gather about how he prepares and leads and teaches and all that stuff. He graded out just fine. He had actually a 78.2 coverage mark. He had a, uh, a 65-3 tackle mark. He had a 68-6 overall, which is a pretty good mark. I haven't looked at that compared to the rest of the Mike backers in the league, but I'd imagine that's average. They needed him to be average. They might have something in the future here with Jacob Phillips and JOK on the field at the same time. I do, though, think they're going to entertain the idea of another one-year deal for Walker just because they don't want to keep addressing linebacker and they need security behind the injury issues we've seen from Jacob Phillips. I think it was a good signing, C plus B minus, and I I think they might run it back with him as a as another part of this group as some changes are going to come in other places. Maybe Mac Wilson's moved on from some some things like that. I agree with you, and I hope uh, they can find a way to do that. Uh, that was the question with all these one year deals: um, how many of them are true one year deals, and how many of them are audition stuff because of the COVID cap drop? Um, and he's another one of these guys, and I agree with everything you said about his play. He, he's fine. He's super athletic. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, just doesn't finish stuff here and there. And, and, and that's the inconsistencies show up like that. But if we all recall when they signed him, the caterwauling from Darius Leonard and the rest of the, uh, linebacking group, uh, in Indianapolis, oh my God, walk taught me everything. I I'm going to miss walk. I could bounce stuff. He's so smart. Like he's, and it's what we were talking about earlier with a few other guys. You got to think about why they brought him in. Cause you get put your mindset in the preseason. It was going to be JOK and Jacob Phillips. Very young, very fast, very athletic, very promising. And we think there's going to be great things from 50 and 28 for the next you know, half dozen years on the second level of the Browns defense. But a rookie and a second-year guy that missed a lot of his rookie year, they needed somebody like that in there to, again, bounce them, bounce questions off of, lead, show me how to do this, show me what I'm doing. Once you show me once, I'll get it, but please show me how to do it. And from the sounds of it, like you said, they did a ton of that over the course of the season. You heard the coaching staff, you heard the young players, you heard everybody talk about how valuable Anthony Walker is in so many different ways inside that locker room. So he definitely served his purpose. Uh, I would say absolutely C plus, B minus, somewhere in there. Uh, you could even talk me into bumping it up to a solid B. Uh, if you take all the intangible stuff and the effect that he had on Walker, or I'm sorry, on uh, on uh, JOK and Jacob Phillips into account, um, so yeah, will they? Will he take another one year? You know, relatively cheap deal somewhere. I, I hope so. It would be great because then we don't have to think about the position anymore. Because you know, those three plus Taki Taki is is pretty much all you need. Everybody else is is. Um, in that room is mostly going to be special teamers and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how some people, you know, think he was terrible. I don't understand that. I don't, you know, they, they're talking about him being, an, you know, another bust signing and all this kind of stuff. I feels to me like people that say those sorts of things have an agenda. Um, but you know, I, he was fine. He, he did his job. Now, did they want him here just for one year with those young guys? Um, I think had Jacob Phillips been healthy the whole year and improved like we thought he would, it would be more likely that they move on from walk. But the fact that we only saw, what, two games, three games, whatever it was out of Jacob Phillips, they're still unsure what they have there. I think they know in JOK. I think they're still unsure what they have in Jacob Phillips so that the opportunity to bring him back at the right dollar amount, bring Walker back again for another one-year deal, uh, if both sides are willing and there's a number that they can do, uh, I'd be totally behind it. I'm, I'm completely fine with that. 
Yeah, I think so too. I was wrong on MJ Stewart. Uh, he actually was when they claimed him had two years left on his deal. So he wasn't a decision guy. I mean, they decision not to cut him, but they didn't decide to re-sign him. So we'll skip that one. Sheldon Day is the last one I want to hit on from the defense. Uh, he's 27. He's a little older than you would think, but he's got some promise. I mean, he pass rushed well. His run grade was strong. I mean, among the defensive interior guys that played above 200 snaps, he played in seven games. He had the highest mark. He had 11 pressures and two sacks. The two sacks was second among the position group. Is there, you know, I mean, I would give it a for expectation of nothing. It's a solid, it's a great signing. You know what I mean? So, um, I think there could be something there. I'm excited to see if Sheldon Day has a future with the Browns. We'll see what their actions are if they keep him. But I'd give that a high grade, an A, for a guy you're just taking a swing on, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, you know, it's like you said uh, earlier, league average guys, you need them. And I think, you know, Sheldon Day, when he got the opportunity to play, was pretty much what he's always been. He'll make some plays. He's not going to do anything stupid. He's not going to lose. He's certainly not going to lose a game for you. Um, I mean, he's not going to go out and be Aaron Donald or anything like that, but you know, he did his job. He was in the backfield quite a bit. He could, uh, slip out to the outside and give you some, uh, uh, some, some reps out there. If you want to get creative with your pass rush and get Jadevian or miles inside or somebody's dinged up or whatever. So he has a lot of value along that defensive line. So, um, but when you're talking about a guy, like you said, who's 27 and uh, had a pretty good year, has some pretty good tape and some stuff out there, he's probably going to want to go somewhere where he can start and play a lot and maybe earn a pretty good size contract, uh, the following year down the road. So I think it would be challenging, uh, just from a roster construction and dollar perspective to bring him back, but I'd be all for it. Absolutely. You need guys like that, especially with, as we've said numerous times here today, so much youth and unknown on the rest of that interior defensive line rotation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I'd feel better if Jordan Elliott or Tommy Togia were playing better football, but they're not. So I'm open to a lot of interior uh, D-line. I'm not saying you're giving up on those fellas, but I, sure. I, need, I need something. So I'm, I'm interested in many things. So let's switch to offense where there's just two signings I want to hit on because these were the two biggest guys they brought in, uh, Jack Conklin and Austin Hooper. It's better to go two years on the bigger signings to get a broader picture. I think... I think it's safe to say Austin Hooper has not worked out we, the way we thought it would. Um, he's brought some solidity to the offensive uh, uh, approach at tight end. I think we got to remember where they were when they signed uh-huh. him. They didn't know what David Njoku was going to continue to be coming off injury. They, that was really all they had at tight end. So they needed to get somebody. I think we thought he was going to be a more explosive player than he turned out to be. I knew he was average athleticism, but he just has seemed slower than I anticipated here. Um, but a good blocker, a guy that the team clearly likes to have around. He does his job for the most part. Just a little less consistent with the hands than I anticipated. Doesn't really create much separation. Falls down on catches a lot. Just uh, 
just more of a, I use the term Jag, just, just a guy, more of just a guy than I thought he was going to be. So based on expectation to what reality was, it's hard for me to go much above a D plus. I, I, I might be being critical. You might think it's a C, but it is just, they needed more from him than they have received. And they're paying him handsomely to the point that his decision to sign him could be the detriment to keeping David Njoku, who's a superior player. So uh, I just, I don't love it. Not that I don't like Austin Hooper and, 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 and think he's a terrible, terrible player. I just think based on what we thought we were getting, based on what reality has been in this time here, not quite what we were hoping for. So I would sure. go D plus. I mean, you might go higher. Yeah, I'm going to go a little, you know, like CC minus in that range. And again, part of that is, like you said, youngsters, youth in the tight end room. And I, I would be shocked if especially Harrison Bryant didn't learn a lot of stuff about how to be an NFL tight end from Austin Hooper. And again, like you said, you, you hit the nail on the head. When we look at these signings, you have to put yourself in the mindset at the time. We were bringing in Kevin Stefanski. We knew he ran a tight end heavy offense. <clears throat> Excuse me. And at that time, we were still in the Drew Rosenhaus's demanding a David Njoku trade. And I phrased that that way specifically with, with purpose. Uh, we were in that area uh, of, of, of Chiefs development. And so we needed somebody. Did they end up overpaying a little bit because they had to get their guy? I, I, it's hard to argue that, that they did pay him a little bit more, but that was the market at the time. So, um, but as far as how much he has produced, I thought he was much better last year uh, than this year. Last year, I thought he basically performed as expected in 2020. That I, I'll never forget that one catch he made on, I think it was fourth down in the Chiefs game, um, where Baker threw it into a window that was non-existent and I don't know how it stuck to his hands and he caught it and kept the drive alive. And I think they scored a touchdown on that drive if I remember right. Um, but he had some, he had some key catches over the, uh, over the last uh, two years, more in 20 than in 21 in 21, obviously there were more key drops and misses uh, as the offense as a whole just seemed to crumble in an, in on itself on a weekly basis. But yeah, I think you're being fair. And when you look at the numbers, it's not an easy contract to get out of, but two things. One, if you dig a little deeper into the numbers out there, it's not as prohibitive uh, as some are making it out to be to get out of his contract this year if that's what you wanted to do. And two, we've seen it more and more lately. Don't forget, they will rework these contracts before they trade or cut guys. Um, and you know, players are, are amenable to that. Hey, we're going to rework such and such. You're going to get all the money you were going to get this year, but when we cut you, that means it's going to be you know, no dead or less dead money for us, that kind of stuff. And as long as players get what they were going to get anyway, they're fine with that because they're going to go someplace where they're wanted and get even more money. So um, I, I, I'm of the opinion as we sit here on January, whatever, 11th, uh, and record this, that it's going to be Najoku, Bryant, and then um, either Carlson, another uh, free agent signing, and somebody in the draft. Um, and I don't think Austin Hooper will be here in 2022. Uh, I could absolutely be wrong. And, you know, he could come back and have a great year next year. But I think as far as if we're going to just stick to the grading of the signing, yeah, I think you're right. A C to a C minus somewhere in that range. It, it hasn't been like terrible, but it's certainly not the numbers and production that he put up in Atlanta that I think everybody was expecting for sure. Look, I don't know the the, the reasoning, the rationale behind the, the pre and post June 1 cut designation. I don't. Mm -hmm. I really don't 
get it. Somebody may want to explain it to me in a follow-up tweet to this episode or I, I, but if you look at the post June one designation, which I think you can do two players, a league year post, he's only a dead cap number of three, seven, five. So if they want to move on from him, they can designate it post June one and only have that number lingering. If he's on the roster, he's a $13 million cap number. Right. Browns would save 9.5 by that post cut. Now if they tried to cut him pre June one, which I don't know why on earth they would, it would be an 11.2 dead cap figure. So that's silly. They could try to trade him would make no difference. The, the post June one trade would be a 3.79 number as well. So I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. Maybe they'll try to restructure him, but it, there is the looming possibility of that post June one cut. Uh, and I, we I, should, I, I think um, that we covered him really well. Throw in this too. When you're talking dead money, I, I looked it up yesterday, and unless the uh, over the cap and spot track websites are both wrong, they have virtually zero dead money on the roster for next year. I think their biggest number is like two hundred thousand from somebody. Uh, like like the dead money number right now, uh, you know, before they make any moves, obviously, is almost nothing. So you know, let's say they cut, they do Hooper, uh, do Hooper post six one, and they move on from Jarvis, and they don't restructure either before they do it. I think between the two of them, it's less than five million dead money for this year. So it's very doable. Yeah. Uh, and and if you look ahead to next year, if they move on from Hooper after after twenty twenty two, the numbers, if I'm not mistaken, are exactly the same. So it's simply a question of whether you want that dead money on this year's cap or next year's cap. It makes zero difference if I'm remembering it correctly. So, I mean, obviously, you'd rather not eat that much money. You'd rather the guy had been playing well and you don't have to think about this. But it's not impossible like I've seen some corners of media and social media try to make it out to be. Yeah, we talk about Jack Conklin now, who I give a really good grade to because when he played, he was really good. He was an all-pro tackle last year like i give it an a i have no issues with the the signing he's had horrible luck this year the elbow dislocation and now this patella tendon is terrible i hate to get grim because but it is the ugly truth of football he's another one that's a post june one cut candidate here because he's got a nine million dead Mm -hmm. cap number this year and next year he has him or sorry post june one he only has a three million dead cap number so I don't know what they'll do. Um, I would, I, in a world where Jack can come back healthy, I would love him to be the right tackle for next year. But that injury is one of the worst you can suffer and come back from. It is, it is very rough. So I don't know what it looks like. Uh, I know that they're going to explore options at the tackle situations this off season, but um, I, I loved what Jack gave them for a year and a half, but uh, I do think that that's another one, Steve, that if you can designate two guys, those are your two guys probably. Yeah, uh, we talked about it on the Twitch show the other night. We were talked about the potential cap casualties, and we included him on the list, and it got some uh, surprise from the viewership and the chat and everything. And we had to several times reiterate, look, it's all dependent on the injury, okay? <laughs> we're not saying they should cut Jack Conklin or anything like that, because I agree with you. He's been all they wanted and and for uh, two years i've been people have been saying oh well he's out of his contract he's going to be gone i'm like well, well he's 26 why would they not resign him again you know I, I, why are you people saying he's gone now it's it's 100% dependent 
on the rehab uh, from this injury. And the fact that it happened so late in the year is just, it's so frustrating because they're probably going to have to make a decision and he's probably going to have to make a decision before they have all of the necessary information. Cause you know, anybody who's been injured seriously knows it's a couple months into your rehab before you have a real clear picture of how much you're going to come back and when that is going to be. So if you ask me right now, I don't think there's, I don't think they're going to move on from him. I really don't. But if the prognosis comes back and the doctors are saying, Hey, this is, he, we don't know if he's going to come back, uh, you know, a hundred percent. And if he does, it's definitely not going to be until at least December and next year and miss the whole 2022 season or that, that kind of time frame. then it's something that you, you have to at least consider because, you know, as we've been talking about for a year and a half, they got a lot of mouths to feed contract wise coming up this year and next year, one way or another, they're going to have to pay a bunch of guys and that money's got to come from somewhere. So if, it's if the prognosis is poor, it's definitely something that they can consider. Now, if it's, you know, he'll be back the start of the season, maybe miss the first month of the season. I say, ride, go for it. Eat the money, take the chance yeah. because he's been yeah. that good. I'm with you. It's an A grade all the way from me, but we, we just really don't know how to project that going forward until we hear from the doctors and we may not hear from them in a timely manner that we all need. For sure. Very well said. It's it's a $15 million hit this year if he's on the roster. So it's a significant amount of money that you can mm-hmm. relocate if you don't feel great about it. So a uh, big decision to be made there. But I do want to reiterate that we both think it was a great signing at the time. And I think Absolutely. when he's played, it's worked out really well. And if they do get out of it with only a $3 million cap hit here at the end of the deal, then I still think it was a worthwhile deal. They got a year and a half of great right tackle play when they mm-hmm. needed it. They needed it badly. So worked out. Steve, this was fun. A lot of guys. We're going to do a lot of looking back before we look forward. There'll be a ton to look forward to. I'm sure we'll talk in the next week or two about some other looking back topic. But uh, I, I really enjoyed this exercise and uh, I think that most of what Andrew Barry did was pretty positive here and and there's plenty to build on and they're not that far away man if they can raise the the basement of some of their uh, you know quarterback play I think they got a real chance to add some nice pieces and have a good run at it next year well the best part about this uh, this particular podcast is like we said at the top there's literally no way to argue with anything that we said it's absolutely perfect so I expect like almost no interaction on social media. Like, and nobody's going to say anything. It's going to be, uh, you guys are awesome and we love you. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I, I would be happy to do this again in the future since we're never wrong about anything. No, never wrong about anything. Nobody can argue with this. And if you try to, you're just going to get brushed to the side and say, you heard the rules, you heard how it worked out. So Steve, thanks again, brother. Appreciate you, man. Anytime. Go Browns, man. All right, guys, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks for joining. Again, these are pre-recorded. I'm out for a couple days. If there's something that has popped off and you want my opinion on it, I'll get it to you by the weekend when I get back in town. Uh, Thanks to Steve for joining today, taking his time, going through this with me, and doing the hours and hours of copious amounts of homework he did uh, to get this thing, uh, you know, so that we could understand his perfect opinion. So thanks to Steve. Thanks to you guys for supporting the OBR. Appreciate you very much. Have a great Thursday. As we sign off with, go Browns.